0: I went to Europe in 1954 to see some friends of mine they had been the fellow had been a resident here in surgery Homer Phillips and his wife had brought the children to me mm-hmm. and they said I'll come over to I went to Europe again said come to Frankfurt and I went to see them and the army is you're one or two the husband came home and he said the new uh, the new surgeon came today and his wife said is he a one or two Shoes were black and ones were white.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> it's, it's awful. It's awful.
2: Uh, did you ever think of of leaving here at that time and no. going further east, where no. maybe it was different? No.
0: I stayed here because Dr. White said if you practice here, you can get on the staff at the faculty at you and and carry your private patients at Children's Hospital. And, Practically no black people able to do that anyway. And I really want to be in the mainstream. I want to be able to hospitalize my patients at a decent hospital. And he said, until you own the faculty and get your hospital appointment, I'll put your patients in children's and you can come in and treat.
2: Them. So besides your dad, he sort of was a he was an was extra. Next, well, right. Yeah, well, I,
0: you know, just the few months before he died, Pilgrim Congregational Church had a marvelous ceremony for the doctors among us they called, the healers among us mm-hmm. and the minister who was there then was planning to have it once a year and Dr. White was the first mm-hmm. and I was asked to speak because of our relationship I found out I was the speaker and I spoke about that he and my father were the two people who really let me know you not only did the encouraging but helping and my parents did the Ego building way back down there, (laughs) you know. And I I spoke about him in that vein, and then I read this uh, thing from uh, Luke's letter, in which he's saying, "I've fought the good of course, fought the fight, kept the faith." and asked the doctors, who a lot of Dr. White's friends were their old doctors, the marvelous doctors, to stand up and repeat the Hippocratic Oath with, them, with him and as they were repeating it to wonder if they thought Dr. White had really run the course, kept the faith, and what they thought about what they had done. Well, it was very effective and his He enjoyed it. Oh, he was wonderful, you know. He enjoyed it. And when he got up, he said, may I go on and on? And they said, you may go on and on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of ex-children were there who were his patients, great-grandchildren patients, you know, that kind of, in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his relatives were there. His wife and daughter, or their son didn't get here. Kitty. Kitty was there. She said, we won't have to have a funeral. This is better than a funeral. He's here. Yes, And everybody brought him flowers, and he enjoyed. And he was dead in three weeks. He was gone that fast. But that day at the church, and after they had the big reception, I put my hand on his shoulder, and he was so frail. Uh, And I was looking at some pictures of him Taken years ago, and he was really robust. He, you know, was, he was really frail, mm-hmm. and deaf, and had a collar on because his bones was go- disappearing. He was in his 90s, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and uh, but he was gone in three weeks.
2: So the two of you together.
0: We integrated Central Institute. Did you know that? For years, when I I called him one day and I said, "Do you know that black children?" who live in St. Louis cannot go out to Central Institute and that uh, black children from all over South America may go because they are not Americans. So said, oh, that's wrong. I said, and I have a little girl here in the office who is deaf, I think. Her mother has written Spencer Trace's wife. She's written all over the country because she's in the city with Central Institute and they won't even look at her job. She was a college graduate. And so we went after Central Institute. He went after Central Institute's board, and I went after the Central Institute. Dr. Lane was the mm-hmm. principal. And they decided that they would take Mrs. Holt into the school, and she could use Sheila as her pupil to train on, but she wouldn't be able to train on their other white children mm-hmm. and other black children from other Mrs. countries. Mrs. Holt was the mother. The mother of us. Mm-hmm. Now, this little girl, skin was the color of yours. She had long, straight, black hair only thing black about her was the name Black, you know. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Holt was a tall, nice looking light woman with long, straight, black hair who had finished college. So she took the course and she taught S.H.I.E.L.D. They found out S.H.I.E.L.D. was partially deaf, but she was aphasic. And um, she went straight off through. She went to Balladet, and then she went two years to college.
2: What year was this?
0: Mm, I'd have to look up the record. I can't. Well, so was it in the late?
2: It
0: would be in, fifties, it to be in the sixties? late '50s or early '60s mm-hmm. because she was. It would be in the um, early '50s because she was just three or four years old, and I still was on Vandivina, and I moved off of Vandivina in '54. Um, Miss Holt would call me. And she said, "You know, it is a crime what they have for deaf children, and they that." No one knows about if he's not white. Famous and Bar opens his store up at night so the children can come and be taken through the store and shown things at a slow pace so they can understand it. Did you know that? No. At Christmas time, they have a special night downtown so that those children can go to see Santa Claus without being overwhelmed by the mass of normals, you know. They can get yeah, to in you know. their own time. Who, no one knew it. No, not even the black people who had deaf children knew it because they're not allowed at Central Institute. Anyway, you she, did it. We did it. She did so well that as soon as Miss Holt finished, they hired her at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's such. She's it's still almost, working there. It's you know. Almost sick. It's no, sick. <laughs> right. As sick as it can be. And then they just popped. Black, Dr. Gladness wife went through. She's fine. Every one time one would pop out, they immediately snapped up. Did you said Dr.
1: Gladner?
0: Dr. John Gladness' yeah. wife, who uh-huh. was one of the black Clarice, went straight and uh, did great. And, and Clarice's son came, was my patient. He came in the office amazed that Clarice had made all A's. And he had told me he had brains. There's a brain. And he asked, well, where do you think you got it, you know? <laughs> It didn't just—it's not a gift. You got it from somewhere. He thought she was dumb. He's a showman. He still is. Because oh, she was. He, this is mama He said he was amazed she made all of these. <laughs> I said, "Well, where did you think you got your brain?"
2: <laughs> they gave me—or they didn't give me—but they told me about a book killer of the dream that. Um, I
0: haven't read that. It's,
2: it's written by, I'm sorry to say I can't remember who wrote it, but a non-black, uh, how are we doing on time? Okay. Alright. Um, how did your, uh, the location of your, you said you...
0: The location of my practice was fine. It just came from everywhere. It still does.
2: No, no. But you, the physical location you changed
0: I moved mm-hmm. in in 54 or 56 to Eastern and Sarah because the neighborhood was changing the, right, and then and I got married in there in the in 60 or 61 and my husband said why are you renting dirty buildings over grocery stores why don't we build you a building so I said well you build a building he was a entrepreneur he was, that's what he was and so he found the place and built the building. He said, why don't you have a clean office of your own? <laughs> he probably hadn't thought about it. He's so busy. I hadn't thought that I could do that, but the reason that we thought about it is a group of black fellows were getting together to build the building. They built Tandy Medical Center, and they didn't ask me in, you know. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, so I'm so glad they didn't. <laughs> don't mistake me. So where did you? Where I'm at Grand and, and Cass and, and I have a building twice the size of what I would have had over there because my brother's over there and his office is too little.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and it has a big parking lot. Then he built bought the buildings next to it and fenced out the slum and renovated that and it's been rented to a group of dentists who have been there for a year, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that I have my own <laughs> complex. <laughs>
2: And you've had it since?
0: I moved in 1965.
2: And so you, that's a good place. It's
0: paid for. I can't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's called a a PF, paid for. Tell me me about the Medical Association. I don't belong to it. (laughs) I don't belong to the black one because I, at the time I got out, I wanted to get in the AMA and the medical society and these you had to belong to the city to join the state and you had to belong to the state to get in the AMA those are credentials you needed for your appointment out of the big school
2: so so what was I we couldn't afford
0: it at the time to join the black one too so I just did not join the black one I don't need the black one I don't know why we still need the black one it doesn't do much except propagate the being black myth um, I don't think that adds strength to the situation. I was trying to, the black students are trying to, it's black students, they come talk to, I said, I don't know why you have to have a black organization. I don't know a Greek organization, I don't know the Italian students' organization. Why, why do you have to have a black one? Well, it's so hard I said, look, you've been to Yale, to undergraduate school, and you come out, you, you're out here still crying? What is it? One year, St. Louis University asked me to come over to a committee meeting. Dr. Whitico and I went about segregation of the black students. And I said, they must not be letting them go to GYN clinic or OB clinic because the patients are white and they are black. But I got over and you know what they were arguing about? Nobody is inviting their wives to social parties. Nobody is helping them study. Nobody is finding them a place to live, this is it. And I sat there and listened, and I told the man, I said, I came to this meeting because I thought the students were really being segregated against, that they weren't getting to do the right thing in clinic, that they weren't getting to do operating in the operating room, or that they weren't getting to sit on the front row in class. I am not going to feed pablum to anybody. If you want a place to live, you better get out and find it. No one found mine. And if you want your wife to go to a party, she better get out and get her social skills together, you know. But there's no spoon feeding from me, and I won't be back for this kind of complaint. I am embarrassed at it. And, and Rico said, this is crazy.
2: Well, you don't deny what you are. You just are a person, and you go and do what your capabilities allow you right. to do. You hope you do. So, talk to me about what's happening in the black community today.
0: Well, you say I'm not in the total. But bl- every time I go to something black,
2: no, I I don't mean that. I mean the the, the
0: black community is being destroyed. That's what I'm. That's what it's I'm trying destroyed. to
2: get at, the children. The, the children drugs, are being destroyed but, uh, yes,
0: um, because they are now in. Situations where there is no extended family. I don't see, I see children who never had a meal at home nowadays because they go to school for breakfast, lunch at school, and mother's gone when dinner time comes so they go down to Kentucky Fried or McDonald's. I don't know how they can afford it, but that is what is happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody's there to supervise studying habits. Nobody's there to supervise bedtime. I can remember having to write an essay and reading it to my mother and correcting it with her. Before I turned it in at school, nothing like that is happening to children nowadays. I cannot ever remember a program on which I was particip- in which I would be participating, uh, any kind of play I was in or recital I was on, that I would be on tenterhooks. One, I knew I would see my mother and my father would have to come from his office, and I could hear him clear his throat, and I knew. I would, then I would be all right if I knew he was there these parents don't even know the name of the school that you're in. I say, where does it go to school? Doesn't know the name of the school.
2: Do you give them some input then? Oh, yes. Do you, what do you oh, say
0: I yes. supposed to go to school, go to see his teacher. I had a child one year who climbed out on the ledge? window ledge at um, uh, University City Elementary School. Hanley, did you know? No. Oh. Uh, elementary school. He oh. was a little boy. He was 12 Park. years old. Flint, not Flynn Park, no, the other one that used to be, My Harbor. Delmar. Uh, his teacher was Mrs. Killian. Uh, she was from New York or somewhere. She was living here. And Mrs. Killian had been calling this boy's mother to come. This was disturbed. He was cutting up in class. She couldn't control him. And the mother came in to me to complain and she said, yeah, that white woman, just after her son, and just doing this and just doing that. And she drove him out on that window. And I said, well, have you been to see Mrs. Killian? "Uh, I don't think she's prejudiced. Now I don't want to talk to no white woman about my son. (laughs) You need to go see Mrs. Killian. Just promise me you won't do anything else, just go see her. Back. She said, why didn't you tell me she was black? I said, because you were so prejudiced. I wanted you to see how prejudiced you were. She spoke to you in a soft, sweet, good English voice, and you decided she's a prejudiced white woman. Miss Killian said, Jimmy, please sit down, and unless she shouts and calls him an ugly name, he doesn't sit down. That's the way you treat him at home. I said, but Miss Killian spoke to him like he was a person, and he didn't know she meant it. Yeah, I was really ashamed of myself.
2: You told her more
0: than just... I said, I didn't tell you he was, she was black because I wanted you to go out there and be so embarrassed you could fall on the floor. She said, well, I was. Mm-hmm. How else was she learning how bad off she was?
2: How did you get so smart?
0: You get you know, you get uh, what do you do to wake people up? What can you say to wake people up? You really do speak your mind
2: straight and that's the way they hear it. It's, it's, do you think so? Oh, do sometimes I sometimes I
0: think it's too straight.
2: No, I don't think so. Oh, I'm sure maybe you've overdone your <laughs> stepped oh, yeah. over many times. No <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I no hear, one is perfect.
2: No, but I hear such a directness, such an honesty. No, I mean the way that I know I called you a couple of years ago and then or a year ago mm-hmm. whatever, and then it didn't happen. But when I called your office, uh, you came to the phone. Mm-hmm. They, and I don't know why you did that if you were busy at that particular moment. But I'm sure you had a, a lot of people mm-hmm. there. But uh, you were no nonsense with me. You were still warm. I could still feel mm-hmm. that you felt that somehow this was important mm-hmm. or that. Because we asked you wanted to do it, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, here you are ready and giving me this time, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, but I can see how you follow, you know, from what you said, and it's it's just it's just straight talk, and it makes sense. And you get to the Well, point. a lot of people
0: don't like it and they leave, and those who like it stay.
2: Well, a lot of people don't like what I do, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how I do it, but I don't. Well, know you know, the the, teen- the teenagers are great. And they are having lots of trouble because of fragmented families and families who have two sets of values. Mother has a boyfriend every six months passing through the house and the teenager may not even have sex. So she's asking her the teenager to accept her moral values and defend her in front of his friends. Him or her. But she's making him have another set of moral puritan values for himself. So he can't do that and he gets into early, there's a lot of sexual behavior that the alcohol is the same thing. The drugs are the same kind of thing. The children are looking for some fulfillment, something that makes them feel full. Pregnancy makes a teenage girl feel full until the baby's three months old and she realizes how needy he is and how needy she is and that she has nothing to give. That society does not want to support him, her mother does not want to support him, and the father does not want to support him. I don't know why young women in their 20s and early 30s are having babies without a father, or without a legal father. I don't care whether she lives with him or not, but to make him the legal father, to me, is important because it forever makes him obligated legally to that child. So even when he doesn't want to support it, because he's legally the father, he can be had in court.
1: People seem
2: all kinds of people seem to want to have babies today. With, with, it's, it's called
0: disfranchising your own child. Well, it, for their own fulfillment.
2: Uh, Without thought to what needs the baby's it, gonna have. Whether it's a lesbian, You're right? Or a
0: gay, mm-hmm. or um, I've got a patient a with baby. AIDS wants to have a baby. Oh come on! Oh come on! He wants to. Ha- he wants to have a transsexual operation so he can have a baby before he dies. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like a teenager who says to me, "I'm not putting my baby in the crib because I don't want him to have a crib death." I'm unable to explain it. I just. am floored. <laughs> but. The child's so unable to think. We're not teaching them to think at school. What's gonna become of us? I don't know, we're not teaching them to think. They can't think. It's only called crib death because the baby would be dead when the mother got to the crib. The real name is sudden infant death syndrome. In 10,000 babies, so many occur and there's no way to predict them. Putting him in the crib is not gonna kill him. But they will not, Teenagers will not put their babies in the crib because they don't want them to have a crib there. They sleep with him. Oh. So they Okay, I've had, over. they roll over on him, the baby falls. I had one fell between the bed and the mattress and was just crushed. And she didn't know he had done it. And another fell out on the floor and fractured his skull. Once she woke up and he was lying under her sleep dead. Uh, but I haven't got words to explain that to them. They they have a baby in the midst of their acting out behavior for reasons that I know are provoked. They're seduced into it. They have the baby and they will not abort it give it up for adoption or anything because they want to use it as a tool to control society and everyone.
2: Do they know that?
0: Unconsciously, yes, but consciously, no. Uh, but that is what they're doing. Then when the baby comes, she doesn't believe you when you say you cannot take care of a baby. I can have it and I can take care of it. I will go on welfare. Do you know that welfare will only give you $200 a month, it takes 700 just for the baby. She doesn't have any concept of $700. Um, then when she gets this baby and comes to the doctor with it, she's still in her teenage acting out. She doesn't believe a thing I say that don't do this, don't grease it, don't, <laughs> do take it outdoors, put it to bed early, feed it every, I ain't never heard of feeding nobody regular. I just, I, it's, it's horrible. Then at three months she realizes this thing's for life. Yeah. It's not going. Yeah. I can't put him away. So. I've got him for 21 years. I tell everybody it's a 21 year program you're entering. Since they're not even 21 themselves, they don't know what I'm talking about. What do you do? Just have to plug along with them day by day. I said to a child the other day, are oh, you sorry you did it? She said, I really shouldn't have done it to her. I really shouldn't have done it. I said, well, that's if you even know better. That,
2: that's even better than that's, If you know
0: other... that, you're halfway there. Yes. You really should not have done mm-hmm. this to me. Yeah. now
2: she
1: can-
0: And like, now you can acknowledge that yeah, and we'll go on go from here. But I don't know what's going to happen to them. I, I think the children that they are rearing, the, the victims, they're going to be a terribly angry group of people.
2: How do you find uh, pediatrics today? I mean, the people that are... Is being...
0: All medicine is getting ready to be controlled by the health maintenance organization. They don't pay for psychiatric health anywhere that they don't approve of, and then you can have three visits that is nothing, but that's all they're willing to pay for. The state won't pay for the Medicaid patients to be seen in the Child Guidance Clinic at Children's Hospital because the residents see them. They see them with supervision, but they only want them. These, The These psychiatrists can't see everybody in town.
2: Who makes up the bulk of your um, practice? Uh, and and is and do you it's see as white. many white patients as you do? No,
0: not as many white. I see white. I see black. I see dirty white, dirty black, dirty intellectual, clean intellectual.
2: <laughs> but in a clean building.
0: <laughs> in a clean building. <laughs> I'm having to fight to keep it clean. I have to put up sun, No eating. Don't sit into the. I've got a plumbing bill. My plumbing bill is out of this world.
2: You're stopping. Put
0: everything room. in it, and they. Oh. Un- take the lid off and take the insides out. So I've had to buy those $280 dollars toilets you can screw the lid on. <laughs> I want to come and help you.
2: <laughs> you make me work.
0: <laughs> roll up my sleeves and come and help you. But I need a monitor in my waiting room to make them behave. <laughs> but that's so expensive. I'm thinking of putting a television monitor. I won't have a television because I will not let them look at, uh, as the world turns because they think they're living in it anyway. <laughs> they, they judge their behavior by that craziness. <laughs> but I am thinking of putting a monitor on the screen and uh, pop on well baby things mm-hmm. that I, on oh, tapes yes. I make and stuff yes. like that. Uh, this little radio station, KBDY, well, you know, I did a child rearing practices program for mm-hmm. two years. And just as it's catching on, they had, they had trouble with the director and they were they've been off the air, they're going back on. But I'm going back on and keep taping and, and we play mm-hmm. these tapes early in the morning, twice a week.
2: But that sounds like a wonderful
0: idea. It is a great idea, and uh, room, I'm going to put it, it in the waiting room. might give
2: them you know, even some ideas for some questions. To
0: well, ask. I've got a lot of stuff in the waiting room, oh, I'm books, sure and <laughs> And you know, I find them all over the parking lot. How
2: depressed do you get?
0: Not about that at all. because That's not my making. I don't. I didn't make these people. I had a, a young woman who's a very good psychologist. After she, I sent her patients, and she we were talking back and forth. So I could kill Miss Jones for her behavior to her children, and she said, "Well, you know what? I just I had this thing, but I all black people are good, and I couldn't get angry with any of them." But I said that if Helen Nash can get angry with them, so can I. I said I certainly do get angry with them, for some mm-hmm. of their superficial altars, for some of their ignorance, and some of their refusal to learn and change. But I'm not depressed about them because I didn't make them. I have some exciting patients, you know.
2: Yes, I'm sure. You I did. have
0: about 30 young women who are physicians. Um, the guy who does Eyes on the Prize, you know that Henry mm-hmm. Hampton was mm-hmm. my patient when he was uh-huh. a teenager. Uh-huh. Now
2: his father was a doctor.
0: His father was a doctor, and his office building is still down at Jefferson and Pine. And he, the guy. I was.
2: I was that was going to be my next question, wasn't? You must. You must have some people you that you feel so wonderful about that you
0: helped. I do. I do. Helped, uh, I do. Uh, I didn't help him get to where he is. I was just his pediatrician when he had polio.
2: But you. You said something very early on that you trying to teach the, the about relationships, uh-huh. and, and that's yeah. Well, I
0: told Henry. I said, It's just great to meet you. I I got on an airplane going somewhere at Lambert one day. I was going to Boston, and a man came and sat next to me. Henry said, and he said, I'm I. I may have to mash you because it's not my room in the seat for me. I said, "Well, if you mash me, I'll mash you back." <laughs> <laughs> Forever swimming upstream, and then we got to laughing and talking. And he said he'd been out here uh, flying a little plane all night, shooting movie scenes for some films. He's a filmmaker. And he said, "Where are you from?" He said, "I'm from St. Louis." I said, "I'm from St. Louis." He said, "Oh, my good friend is from St. Louis. You might know him." Do you know Henry Hampton? And I said. Yes, I know. <laughs> and what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> I was his pediatrician, so we laughed and talked all the way to Boston. And he said, "My wife is going to be at the airport, and we love Henry. You've got to meet her." And so they said, "Well, let us take you to your hotel, and let's go out to lunch." I said, well, "I don't have time to go to lunch. I was just planning." He said, "Well, let's call. Let's go out to dinner while you're here and surprise Henry." I said, no, don't do it that way. Call Henry and ask him if he wants to go to lunch with me. <laughs> he may want not want to go, and let's don't bother him if he doesn't want to bother. It's been great meeting you. So not only did he want to go, he picked out the restaurant and mm-hmm. he came bringing a present. It's, oh, hell, hell. And we, then we went to their house. They live in a 200-year-old house in Newton, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And we went there. We had a... They ran out and got ice cream and we ate ice cream and laughed and talked. And then he said, I'm going to take you home, Helen. I'm going to take you home. <laughs> then he asked me about how I saw him in his childhood. and A lot of things he wanted to talk about, yes. his parents' death, and we sort of renewed a friendship. And then when he came to speak at Wash U, I called McClellan, McClellan. And I said, you know, we have to do something okay. big for Henry. Really? So we had a we had a luncheon after the speech. He spoke on Black History Week. And he said, everybody was born before 1965, stand up. He said, then you don't know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Made a marvelous speech and set him on fire. And then we went over to lunch and he met faculty. Then we had a dinner in which we invited old family friends to have dinner with him. And then I had a reception at Whittemore House. It snowed. And it was 300 people. Uh-huh. They talked all people who had seen it, people who wanted to see it black, white, green, yellow. Well,
2: he really has And
0: been. Dr. Danforth had said to me that afternoon that he had a meeting he might not be able to get there. I said, would you like us to postpone it an hour? So when I went to the reception, he got the first one I saw
2: you
0: see what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you just <laughs> say it. You remind me of my mother-in-law. You know, the Historical Society Bulletin had this story of segregation and integration at Washington University campus out here. Do you know his great-grandfather was on, has been on the trustee board, and he is the only one who voted for integration of that little school years ago? Hmm. Only trustee. He did not know Henry was there. <laughs> so they called me. I don't guess he'll ever hear. It, they called me and asked me if I would ask Henry if they could have his archival material to store it once. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you're sending the wrong messenger if you really want it. And I don't think I am the person If why she wants Henry Hampton's archive material. You had better, the Chancellor had better ask him. So he called me and said, oh, do you really think I am? I said, Dr. Banfield, if I were Henry and you sent a black messenger, I would tell you no. He said, well, he wrote him and asked him. And he wrote him and thanked him, but Tufts had him to the draw. Tufts years ago called him, caught the ball. Um, so then they, I said, you don't do anything for the black people in the community, you don't recognize those from the community who are making national marks. And the, so he, he came and his sister came with him and made a very good speech at graduation, but in the student newspaper, to show you how conservative they are, they had a big thing, we don't know who he is and we don't know if he's a good speaker. No, he was marvelous. He told mm. them, we dropped the ball and it's yours to pick up and run.
2: We don't know who he is.
0: That's the student newspaper. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it, uh, two years ago, if black guys playing and talking in the bathroom or in the lobby area at the elevators where students are supposed to sit, can be arrested by the campus police for being there, something's wrong, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. There's a lot wrong.
0: There's a lot wrong. I and, don't know. and pretend you can't find any black students you don't go look for them in the right places is my answer to you." And I said to them, why do you have to have a student from pruitt Igo Why do you have to have a student who hasn't been two blocks from home, come twenty blocks to Wash you to meet people from all over the country and all over the world that he is frightened of? Yeah, you have to learn to you have to, call, call, you have to people learn People from work. like situations, like family backgrounds, I you know, want to so, you know for to years, fail. Yale and Harvard my, my father had friends who went to Harvard Medical School. That's how long they've been there. They may not like them up there, but they're doing it. They may not like them at Hopkins, but they're doing it, you know. Hopkins almost did what Wash U has been, pretending they can't find anyone. But they're doing it better than Wash U. Uh, and I don't know what is wrong with it, except that it's so conservative.
2: <coughs> how, how do the white doctors except the black doctors today. I don't have
0: any trouble. I have no trouble but with them. Uh, I was at a seminar last night and this Jewish guy, we were talking about behavior. Doctor? A uh, Jewish pediatrician. And I was, we were talking about drugs. He said, but of course, your population is different. Mine are not like yours. I said, you'll be surprised. He's not very well tuned in, Right. Either. I said, what do you mean you're not like, man, Well, I don't see a lot of drugs. I said, I don't see a lot either. What are you talking about? I don't think there's a high school kid who hasn't smoked pot. But what are you saying? Are you saying that down? I'm downtown, you know? What are you saying? What do you say? Stop talking. Stop and stop cutting up like that. I told the, the woman who's the head of the whole group, after, I said, my, my friends think I'm better in the ghetto, don't they? How uh, They make it a ghetto in their mind. Well
2: now, Dr. Nash, that was one person, but that doesn't mean that the others
0: disagreed with him readily. It was not but this one person, if I don't get him, you know, he'll get yeah. away thinking he's right. Yeah. But I just get them, you know. Good. Good. It's a guy from Cardinal Glennon told me, You need to tell your patients that you're not on the staff here. I said, What makes you think I have? You don't know. Now
2: how did that conversation?
0: because Cardinal Glennon is in financial trouble and they're trying not to see so many people in outpatient. My feeling about e- emergency rooms, if you stay open all night then you're a fair game for mm-hmm. whoever wants to walk in. And and I have no idea of trying to see patients all day and all night. So if he walks in your place and you put him out in the street, that's your insurance not mine. Did, um,
2: did people uh, when you opened your practice,
0: were you open in the evening? One week, and stopped it. Because they came because it was, they want to choose to come to the doctor at a time that is convenient for them. Mm-hmm. And it's only convenient for them when they have nothing else to do. A woman called me from Illinois. Her child has some real serious congenital problems and she wanted him seen. I said, the office is full. She said, well, I'm losing time on my job, and I said, well, I will do the best to get you out quickly. When I was finishing with her, she said, you know, I don't hate to go after you about the time, but I've been here an hour and 15 minutes. I said, I think that's pretty quick. You didn't have an appointment or anything. And I had to bring you in here ahead of people who are going to fuss at me when I go in the room with them. I think that if you get out of any doctor's office in an hour, you're doing very well. I then looked at the time she had signed in and she was even lying about that. Mm-hmm. No one wants to, I don't have time, I hadn't noticed them. I, I can't take off any more time for my job, are the reasons. Are you open on Saturday? If I stayed open until midnight every night, I would have patients all night every night mm-hmm. because they will only come when it's convenient. They want to come when it's convenient. One of the aid stations that's affiliated with Christian Northwest called me yesterday at eight o'clock. What is the problem? There is a woman here whose child has ringworm on the skin and she wants to be seen. She belongs to Sinus and the doctor has to okay it as an emergency visit. I said, one, I'm not her doctor and I can't okay her visits. Two, there is no time that ringworm is an emergency and she will go home and see her doctor. She said, she's very angry. I said, so? She is very angry, but I didn't make the rule. Tell her to call her agent, mother. I cannot ok it, and there is no ringworm that will ever be an emergency. But that's what, what pe- people want. Yeah. Uh,
2: what do you feel? Maybe this is a stock question, but I'd still like. What do you feel? That maybe? What's your the greatest impact you feel you've made on this community?
0: Well, I think I, you know, when I first started, they were very suspicious of black doctors. I think I've seen my practice change from black. Lo- a lot of black patients and a lot of the educated black people didn't go to white doctors. Now they're swinging back. As my father said, one of the last few times I heard him talk, uh, a lot of black patients are brainwashed into thinking that black doctor doesn't know anything, can't do So they would go to go white. They would go to a white. Doctor. Uh, if they used it years ago when they thought it was real sick, they would call it and say, I'm going to see Dr. Sorensen today, he's white, and I have to have a real doctor today. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me they have to have a real doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've seen the change in that attitude quite a bit. I saw a woman yesterday whose baby was born at St. Luke's and it had a, a little extra skin tag fingers on each hand and on each toe. And the doctor wouldn't tie them off because her insurance company wouldn't pay him to do it. Mm-hmm. Now I do that routinely without even charging. Okay, you've given me a number of goosebumps today. I do that without charging. They have stayed on now, so they've got the blood supply has gotten better, and they're too thick for me to tie off.
2: So then you really have to do
0: it. She went major to a doctor operation. whose name I've never heard. Right? I said, you know, I don't understand black people you go where you're not wanted you're not wanted at St. Luke's why do you think it's way out there and then you get treated this badly and you don't even get angry about it you don't even know that you are being treated badly if this this baby would I would have cut those off the day I saw him because they would have been so thin and the blood supply so poor tied and Just cut it steal. off now he's got to go to the surgeon. I don't know what you're thinking about. You go out where you not want, you get treated badly, and you're not even angry. I had a little girl who, I have a little girl who has tubes in the ears and, de- and mm-hmm. deaf. She has a kidney death thing that goes with kidney disease. And she's got bilateral hearing aids, Central Institute. Now let me see, she's, uh, you've seen these little kids with uh, sandy gold hair, real curly, and light reddish skin. Not black. And they had put a hearing aid on her darker than my shoe. Now my mother had hearing aids and my mother's skin was a color of yours. And they never would have put a black hearing aid in her ear. Beige. Beige, skin tones. I said to the mother, what is she doing? And even the tubing is black. Why have they put these on her ears? I said, because they ordered ear, hearing aid for a black child. I said, this is rank seg- segregation, rank prejudice, and it is an ugly thing. When it came, they should have said, oh no, this is the wrong call. I sent her out there to tell them that I said that they were prejudiced as they could be and that they knew better than put that black hearing aid in that, both of them black and the two of them black. I said, how could you do? let them do this? I didn't know they came in other colors. I said, look, you know, yes, you see the white children out mm-hmm. there with hearing aids? They don't have on this black thing. Your little girl is not much darker than most of them. Mm-hmm. What is she doing well, with a black hearing aid?
2: Was it, is it is it prejudice or
0: or is it just... Um, I went to Call Me Beautiful with my neighbor. We are good friends, my neighbor's white.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We went to Call Me Beautiful. And the night they had the makeup night, mm-hmm. They put a space for everybody. There were eight of us. And at my space, they had dark, dark pancake makeup. Brown it, powder. They haven't seen you? Yes, they have
2: seen
0: you. Powder browner than I am. Because you're famous. Purplish lipstick. You should have seen it. So I didn't sit there deliberately. I said, look at that, Loretta, sons of bitches. <laughs> she said, i think make you black. Um uh, so I sat over here and the woman said, Doctor, this make this is your makeup I said, There's not any time in life I'd ever wear anything like that so I didn't sit there. <laughs> what you said say? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny these people over here are white. He's from North Saint Louis and she's from South St Louis. So they've had both sides of it, you know. And he has uh old St. family. They're very, very nice. They're self-made people. And we had a great relationship. It has grown over the the 10 years they've been there. And uh, their friends say to them, you have a black neighbor? And he said secretly, she's whiter than we are. (laughs) (laughs) If you're worried about a good yard and a clean house, Our neighbors whiter than we, (laughs) and education, (laughs) and we laugh about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Somebody will say, "Loretta, your neighbor's black." These people moved from New York, and they're lovely. They're lovely. The woman is lovely. The children are darling. Mm -hmm. And when she came. I went over to speak, when he came first working on the house and I went over to speak to him I said anything we can do for you as a neighbor let me know and let me know the day your wife is coming so when the trucks were out there I went over and spoke to her and said uh, I would bring you a cake which is what you're supposed to do in the south when you move to a new home but I would offer to send you dinner tonight I know you aren't going to get to cook they had a young nine month old baby mm-hmm. who is now eight years old um, she said, it's lovely, you know, everybody told me I've had the right neighbor when I told them I was moving next door to you. See, so you're moving next door to a good pediatrician and a really nice woman. But her mother-in-law and all were in, this, in town and they had a family dinner that night. So that was taken care of and we got to know each other and then go to dinner and they, the little girl, we, laughed, we went through laughing and learned to walk and talk. That's great. Um, then she had a new baby. And I don't know whether she was depressed or what, but she said, well, would you come just look at the baby so-and-so. And, so? and then one day, a friend of hers brought her here one morning with the baby, she's weeping, that she's afraid something's gonna happen to her. She's afraid. I said, oh, sit down and let's, we examine him." And I said, the real trouble is that you're just having the after the baby blues, And what you need to do is get a babysitter, and you take her out to Frontenac to lunch and you buy a new dress. And at night you take, go out to dinner with your husband, go to a movie. You just got the activated boobs and this baby's going to be fine. It's really not. Does he look John Steven? No, he does not look John She's breastfeeding, just doing lots of good things. So then she called and said, okay. I can't stand it any longer because every time I call, the pediatrician. She was using a group on the grounds that in a group she could always get the doctor. Mm-hmm. I can never get the same doctor. And I, the one I liked, I never get to see. So do you mind if we change doctors? I said, no, I think it's quite natural. Makes sense. Um, to live next door to your pediatrician, I think I'd do that. You can be a kitchen patient or whatever. <laughs> I said but I would like you to do it correctly. Call, write him and tell him. Well, he got angry, and that winter, the, the new baby had this respiratory virus and was very sick. And he called her and asked, was the baby dead? He said, according to the lab work they sent to my office, he should be dead. I said, well, how could they have sent, and she came over crying and said, I have to have sent the lab work to his office. The lab work I had done, I have, but here it is. She said, no, the baby's fine. He was sick, but he's fine. They elected to keep him at home, and they are wealthy. They rented equipment. All the equipment she needed, they rented. Mm -hmm. And um, she needed oxygen and humidifiers and a tent. They rented it. They did fine. He said, well, I will send you the lab work I got him, but I thought he should have died. That's why he didn't die. He has never seen it. That means he didn't get it he? That means he didn't get it. And that, what a thing to call a young woman. He's angry because she has changed to a woman and a, black and a black person. And so he calls her up with that kind of ugly trick. You
2: think that people would be too busy with their own things? Not to be
0: devious and mean. There's yeah. a thing I call the mean white gene. The
2: mean white
0: gene. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... It's a form of meanness that is very intricate. It doesn't look like you're being mean. You have
2: to go to trouble to do it. You have
0: to go to trouble to do it. Uh, I have a friend whose niece spent uh, years as a visiting student at Wash U, And At the end of the year, she's supposed to turn in this kind of paper on the, on the bad boy in Ireland. I think it was me. Anyway, she had to turn the paper in on that. And she had to do something else it had to be you know how you have to have your papers turned in and she said to me she hadn't written that paper yet i said but it's her paper you it's her paper the last two weeks they went out of town and the child babysat the house over here and her aunt said to me she's gonna wait for the last minute to do that paper and i know she's gonna want to come and use my typewriter and i'm gonna put it in the shop so it won't be there. Mm. And then she won't have a typewriter. I said, that is called the mean white genius. How could you plan a thing like that? And why? Going to say, oh, I thought your paper was done. And why? Jealous of a the girl there in school doing mm-hmm. well, having a good time. The child never did ask to use her typewriter because this one had an electric one. Mm-hmm. She put it out went over there with it on the Saturday of the the deadline day and he had a note on it go come back Monday. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even that urgent. Yeah. But it's an intricate meanness that it looks like I'm kind of you I would never have done that if I'd known you needed the mm-hmm. typewriter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, That's deceitful. That is intricate and and I have found intellect intelligent people, not necessarily white, mm-hmm. do it to their children all the time. Mm-hmm. They're a mean trick, and it looks like they're being kind to them, but they are pulling the rug from mm-hmm. under them. The child knows it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can't be healthy. <laughs> You've seen a lot. But,
2: uh, uh, what? How should we end this? Do you have a
0: hope? Oh uh, yes, no, it it's better than it was when I started. I hope it will be better. I know it will be better than it was as I go. Mm-hmm. When I go off the scene, Uh, I'm not planning to retire or anything like that. Work till I can.
2: Have you ever thought of, um, or maybe you already have, of at some point in your life taking someone in?
0: I that have you, someone in already. That you value. I have someone in. My problem is she doesn't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to work these days. They want the perks and the pay, but, but no work.
2: Yeah. Well, that that changed. I remember when my dad would make those house calls, Uh and then when he was ill, my mother we'd drive him around. Right. Sunday evening, we'd sit in the car and listen to the radio, and uh, and he went to his poor patients, and those were the ones that counted. Right. And and, um, but then, but they were solid
0: poor people. They were solid poor people who were together.
2: But but they yes, there was a difference. Um, But then the two men that. had his practice, um, whatever. Um, they didn't want to do what he they did. They
0: didn't do it, I'm sure.
2: And uh, my mother said, do me a favor, just do it for a few years, you know, mm-hmm. until uh, you get yourselves established
0: and then do what you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, I never went to either of them. They don't want to do it. They, didn't. they, didn't. they didn't. I'm not going to work like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I can leave in the morning, make hospital rounds, and be at the officer, I'll see more than half the patients are going to be there by the time she gets there at 1:30, and she may see ten patients after I leave, and it takes her four hours. Well, when you say something to her, she I haven't said anything oh, you because I said I still have the benefit. I leave at 1:30. Yeah, and that's I wanted the time to myself, uh-huh. and I have it.
2: And I guess no matter what you said she'd probably still do the same thing and if you really want Well the other
0: day she called me at 1.30 from the hospital to say she was still at the hospital. She won't leave home in time to get to the hospital to make rounds mm-hmm. and get to the office on time.
2: Because it she seems... She does it on my time. It seems that uh, you're devoted to what you do. You've taken care of yourself mm-hmm. which has allowed you to keep being
0: devoted mm-hmm. and not
2: burn yourself out especially with what you have to deal with. Well you had you had to deal with it always, it was just different things. It is forever. Yes. Is forever. Um, so I would, in my thinking, I would think, well, you would really want to leave this at some point to someone who you felt would... I hope
0: th- to leave it like that. Yeah. She's right Now, well, when I went to the lawyer to have the contractor on up and I told him who she was and what why she wanted to come in. He said, Beware of young women who have burned through and done their thing in style and want to go home to take care of children. Beware. It means they don't want to work. Mm-hmm. And he was so right. So be she a lawyer, a business person, or a doctor? She doesn't want to work. Was that.
2: <laughs> and finally, doctor Nash, I do want to thank you for your time and uh, the energy you put into this, and I appreciate it. It gives us a really a good view, an honest mm-hmm. view of well, how you feel. Well,
0: all right. It's, it is the best way. You don't have any ghosts sitting on the foot of your bed at night making you wish you had said something or not said something. Right. I uh, tell the medical students all the time, that I have to treat the patient so that when things go wrong, I won't be feeling so guilty that they'll be keeping me up all night. So.
2: That's, that's interesting because they always say it's best to live your life so you can sleep at night. Right. <laughs> so I've always said that.
0: Thank you. You're welcome.